Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Where We Are Today podcast. I'm Barney, and I'll be your host. I started this podcast as a way for me to reconnect with old and connect with new friends, talk about who they are, where they are in their lives, and you know where they see themselves going. Follow us on Instagram at Where We Are Today 2020. That's Where We Are Today 2020. You'll find all of our posts, a lot of our um, you know, guests have provided additional content for you to go take in, also their information if you wanted to contact any of the other guests are there too. So feel free to give us a follow, share the podcast, appreciate everyone listening. I'm super excited for today's episode. Um, it's a very good friend of mine. Uh, we met at Longwood University in 2000, I think it was 2012. Mr. Alex Julian, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I'm very excited to have you on. Thank you for letting me be a part of this, Barney. And uh, yeah, it was 2012 and I'm just excited to be here and talk with you today is one of my uh, really close friends that I've known for many years now. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's super exciting. How did we meet? Did we meet at first first Friday back? Did Taylor? So is that- I'll be honest, it wasn't Theta Chi related. No, um, it, even though we are we are in the same fraternity, but right. um, yeah, literally it was at first Friday back, and I'm pretty sure you were hanging out with like other guys that I knew that were interested mm-hmm. in Theta Chi, right? But I didn't know that you were. I just like, oh, this kid's like really cool, and so we started <laughs> talking, and then. You know, I think from there is kind of you started hanging out, which you've alluded to in other episodes, like you hung out with, you know, Taylor Anderson, mm-hmm. and you hung out with George Warbacher and Dave yep. Sean and Manny and other people that I was also hanging out this same time period. And you yeah. also were interested in giving back to the Longwood community like mm-hmm. I was. And I so that's so I think that our circles kind of met in that sense yeah. is that you wanted to get involved in organizations. I was involved in organizations and I saw that and I was like, man, I think this guy is definitely, you know, going to be good material for many organizations to give back to, to Longwood. I appreciate that, man. Alex, Alex was like involved in a lot, but he was like the most social person I knew at Longwood, hands down. <laughs> like he knew people from one club to another club. There's like this thing I saw in uh, Instagram the other day and I literally thought of you. It's like they were describing somebody in a friend group and it was like nicknames and they called, um, they call this guy the glue guy. He's like the one that bridges a gap between all the friends, even if they're far away or whatever. And that's literally you. So Alex was, um, Alex was involved in quite a lot, but I think we, we started interacting a little bit more because I remember being over at Taylor's house one day and Tyrone was there and Taylor was like, yo, just play some music. And I was like, all right, queued up meek mill dreams and nightmares. And then all of a sudden I think you and Tyrone walked in and you're like, yo, what are you doing? Like, it's not that, like, there was, like, no, like, five people at the house, and I was just blasting Meek Mill. Um, but then I, I started figuring out that you were a big hip-hop head, and the Dirty Dirty Rap Show got a, got a shout-out, Thomas Welker and Steve. Um, yep. That's something that you guys worked on. How did that idea even come about for you guys to begin with, the Dirty Dirty Rap yeah. Show? Yeah. Definitely. So I'll, I'll first uh, give a big shout out to Steve Summer was the creator of the yeah. Dirty Dirty Rap Show. And so when we went to Longwood, I started in 2010. He got involved in what's called WLU, which was our local radio station. Yep. And so that first uh, that first semester, he kind of started the Dirty Dirty Rap Show. And I, I was friends with Steve um, and I came on there once, but 
nothing more than like a, a guess yeah. you could say on there. And then right. we just started, we had a lot of the same similarities and yeah. what type of hip hop we liked. And so next thing you know, he was like, Hey, let's, why don't we do the, this thing called the dirty, dirty rap show. And so we did it uh, after it was after 10 o'clock at night, which means you could play explicit music and not get fined for it. <laughs> um, so we would yeah. play explicit music uh, in Farmville. And I just thought, um, you know, one of the coolest things was I actually worked at the Chick-fil-A Express on campus. Right, right. Um, I worked at Chick-fil-A for six and a half years. Um, so it was my first job up until I got my first full-time job post-college. Um, and I worked at the Chick-fil-A Express in college just to make extra money. Um, right. And while I was there, was literally, I will never forget, is some of the team members I worked with, which mostly were town of Farmville residents. Right. Um, literally, one time they would talk about, they, they, literally, we were, we were closing one night and they were like, hey man, like, do you know these two guys at Longwood <laughs> that like, they know their hip hop stuff? They play some like stuff I can't hear on the regular radio. I was like, surprisingly, that's uh, me and my friends. Um, yeah. So surprisingly, the actual town Listen, listen to our content as well as the students um and we would take requests from people it was definitely an experience that i think that me and steve and anyone that listened really got a lot out of it because there wasn't really a show before that like there were shows that did pop rock right. different types but like we only did hip-hop music and more so it wasn't like we would i mean yeah we would sometimes play top 40s but we mostly played some like pretty like underground or yeah. like deep cuts more than your typical top 40 hit. Right, right. And I remember that because I think a lot of my exposure to, obviously like when you're, <laughs> I had exposure when we lived up in Jersey to a lot more um, kind of like the underground, like true hip hop heads, right? But um, mm -hmm. coming to Virginia and then going to to a very suburban high school obviously like i lost touch with that but it was great to to connect with you guys because you guys would go deep into the collection of like you know section 80 was on there which wasn't really like a radio thing yeah. right like section 80 was a classic and so um what triggered your interest i guess music in general but i know that like you're like a student of the game when it comes to hip hop, right? Like you are very good at knowing when this dropped and that dropped and who dropped it and what the production was like, what was like the moment that you realized that was like your, like, like you found like a passion in that, right? Yeah. So um, I would definitely say, you know, I grew up in the suburbs as well. I grew right. up on a lot of punk music, rock music. I mean, I loved good Charlotte simple plan um blink 182 yellow card so yeah that was all up until really it was like middle school early high school that kind of i shifted in what i liked like honestly none of most of my friends did not like hip-hop music i yeah. was kind of the outlier um and i started becoming really good friends with this guy named timmy who's one of my best friends mm -hmm. and he's from portsmouth virginia um and uh he kind of really got me into some of like gucci man and people <laughs> from the atlanta trap scene like back yeah. in this was like 2007 2008 <clears throat> when yeah. like gucci was just a big underground Easy. yeah but like yeah. i i really wasn't into that type of music so i started hanging out with him and i started just downloading 
literal mixtapes from this place called datpiff.com. Yep. Yep, yep. And datpiff was like kind of the OG in like distributing mixtapes everywhere. And so that's really where I found out about a lot of artists. Like I remember listening to Drake when he was still on Degrassi, like not the yeah. Drake that people know today, as well as like, I'm from what they call the quote unquote 757, which yeah. for Virginia is like where most of the creatives in right. the hip hop genre have come out of. So mm -hmm. like I come from the area of Pharrell Williams, like the clips, Pusha T and No Malice, Timbaland, yep. Missy Elliott, people like that, that like, those were also like, I literally worked at my Chick-fil-A at one mm -hmm. point, the catering manager used to be a manager for the clips. So yeah. like, oh, I've wow. kind of always been around hip hop and hearing about it. And I would say another thing was in 2007, when I worked at Chick-fil-A, there was this guy in the kitchen, his nickname was Tronny. Uh, mm -hmm. His real name was Andronicus. And literally, he was shocked at like that I liked hip hop. Um, <laughs> and so he would like school me. Like I didn't know, I, I remember I used to think that Lil Wayne was the best hip hop artist of all time. Hands down, Carter Three. Yeah. I was like, yo, like Jay-Z, everybody. He's like, <laughs> killed. he sold a million copies. A million was like the right. best song ever. Right. And so I'm telling this all this guy, he's like, have you ever heard of Nas? I was like, who's Nas? And then like, that's where was really this you know older guy who was in his like late 30s he kind of was like you don't you don't know anything about this hip-hop right i thought i knew everything i thought at 16 right. you i knew everything. everything there was to know i was like i know like you said shoddy low gucci man ti young Jeezy, i know outcast i know all of them right. he's like what do you know about goody mob what do you know about like big l and i was like i don't know who these people are so he really <laughs> put me on he would literally like we would work shifts together and he'd like give me a list and he's like go home download these albums right. and listen to them and then come back to me and i remember the first time i listened to illmatic by nas Bro. and i was like man i think that i was thinking that like ti was the best thing to ever happen right and then i listened to that i'm like dude this came out in like the 90s what? yeah so i think i i wasn't always where I'm at now with a lot of knowledge, like I had to start somewhere. And like I said, it was literally a guy at Chick-fil-A kind of put me on to everything that came before the wave of mainstream music. So that's really when I started getting into hip hop. Right, right. That's, that's incredible. See, so I immigrated from India in 1998 and we were in Jersey for a little bit and then we moved around the country and then eventually landed in Virginia. But the very first time I was exposed to hip hop, there was a friend um, that lived like next door, like down the street when I was going to school in, in New Jersey. And his name was DeAndre. And <clears throat> I used to like, we used to go play basketball, do this and that, like whatever. Right. And so first time I was exposed is his older brother pulls up in a car and this is, this is 90, like, this is like, spring of 99 okay. and he was playing it was written and I, oh. <laughs> I remember i remember the song that that was that he was playing because it was just such crazy like bounce that i was just mm -hmm. sitting there like man so like he was playing i was listening to it it was is it was written and then he was playing street dreams 
Oh, great song. I just remember hearing it and being like, yo, like this is crazy because it's like one, like a lot of songs in India have a lot of bass and a lot of like drums and a lot of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it was very similar. But then I was listening to um, the lyrics and like the one thing that like caught me up was like, um, he said, dollar and cents, a fugitive with two attempts. Jake's had no trace of the face. Now they drew a print. Like I was like, yo, I don't know what that means, but like that, like, like he's spitting. Right. So like, yeah. uh, (laughs) Excuse me. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like a lot of people that I've talked to, have very similar exposure to the tomb hip hop like you do right like it's a person that's ingrained in this like that's in the music that's like yo like come on this isn't what you need to be listening to it's it's other ones right so you're if you had to pick from your top albums pre i'll just say the pre second wave so like pre 2008 right oh because i found out about dap Pith with comeback season like I, okay, I, you know me. I like to be in my fields. Like I heard "Replacement Girl" with Trey Songs, like <laughs> on YouTube or Limewire. Virginia or from Virginia, by the way. Right, Trey Songs. Right. So I heard "Replacement Girl" with Trey Songs on Limewire or something at a friend's house when I was in VA. I was like, damn, man, like I need a shorty like that. Like I need a replacement girl. So I like looked up "Replacement Girl," found out it was by Drake, and I downloaded "Comeback Season," and then the rest is history. But pre two thousand eight. What would you say are your top four like favorite albums and why? Ooh, top four before 2008. So I would have to say, I'm going to throw it back a little far ways that I don't even know if some of your listeners have listened to hip hop this far back, but I'm going to start off with Eric B and Rakim's Paid in Full um, from the 80s. And the reason I'm going to bring that up is I don't think that a lot of people even that listen to hip hop now um, really know how much that Eric B and Rakim changed the game in the sense of how lyrics were spoken, like Mm -hmm. how Rakim before that, yes, there was run DMC and there was, you know, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, kind of the trailblazers of what the hip hop movement was. But when Eric B and Rakim came in, I mean, first off, you got the DJ MC, which Mm -hmm. is Eric B. And then you've got Rakim, who is there, you know, just his voice, how his cadence was, how he rapped the lyrics was just never, it had never really been done before. So I definitely would say that that album and what it did to change hip hop forever. I mean, if you listen to Spitters now, like anyone from Jay-Z to the Wu-Tang Clan to Eminem, many times will reference how Rakim is one of his biggest inspirations in rapping. So like a lot of the people now that are super popular grew up on him because he is, he was known as the God MC at the time, quote unquote. So I definitely say Eric B and Rakim. Um, If I had to say another album, I'm also going to throw it back old. I mean, I'm going to go with good old Nas's Illmatic. The reason I'm going to say Illmatic is a lot of people would argue that from a perspective of production mm-hmm. and lyrics, that is literally the quote unquote perfect album. Yeah. Because it has, at the time, a lot of people don't realize this today because they just take it for granted, mm-hmm. is that there's tons of producers usually on albums now. So like mm-hmm. if you listen to a Drake, 
you know, album. You're going to see, you know, Hit Boy. You're going to see... 40, Boy Wonder. All these, yeah. You're going to see all these producers. But back in the day, like, Wu-Tang Clan used only the RZA. Mm-hmm. Eric B and Rakim, it was really only Eric B, et cetera, et cetera. You got right. um, Q-Tip was for A Tribe Called Quest. So right. what happened was, with Nas and Illmatic, is that was really the first big New York hip-hop album right. that used multiple producers so you've got everyone from q-tip to dj premier to pete rock to many others that helped create this soundscape that kind of changed what people thought a hip-hop album could be like you don't have to just use one producer and one sound you can switch it up and i think that's why you also have a Nas that's literally like at the time he's basically a teenager right that's rapping about these very graphic street crimes that are happening in New York in the early 90s. So yeah. it gave me it gave me a view of New York that I would have never normally gotten from suburban Virginia. Um, so I really enjoy that album. Mm-hmm. I think another album that I can't not talk about is Jay-Z's The Blueprint. Ooh. And I think why I have to bring up The Blueprint is I think there could be a very good argument to say if you look at a, a, a perspective of just success on all levels of i'm not gonna say hip-hop but culture right i would argue that jay-z so far is that person who has been successful on all fronts absolutely business to hip-hop to what he's done for culture through some of his prison reform he's doing right now all the stuff he did with obama like i definitely think jay-z is that person who literally grew up as a drug dealer in the projects in Marcy, in good old New York City, to become a billionaire couple is just kind of crazy if yeah. you think about it. Um, and going back to what the blueprint is, a lot of people could call it his magnum opus. Um, at the time it came out, literally a lot of people forget this, it came out on 9-11. Um, so it wasn't the best of release dates, but it is heralded as literally the blueprint to success. Like if you want a successful hip hop album, Mm -hmm. that I would argue is an album to study because he has everything from radio singles to deep cuts. And at the time, he has some of the best of the best producers. Like that's literally the album that really made Kanye West shine. Like a young Chi-Town Kanye that was making beats for Twista, Slum Village, all these people really the blueprint was one of those albums where jay-z was kind of like all right you and just blaze we're just gonna let you create this project no id and that's the kanye that we if it wasn't for the blueprint i don't think that we would have the kanye Kanye west we have now because he had he made so much money and so much notoriety Mm -hmm. from making beats for jay-z so i definitely say that my last album pre-2008 i would probably have to go with i probably have to go with graduation uh, and the reason i have to go with bro. graduation i mean a lot of people would argue you know you got late registration college dropout great albums but yeah. the reason i say graduation is that i actually had graduation in my car like my first car i had a yep. you know cu player kids nowadays might not know what that is um but i had it in my car and specifically I had the Carter three and Mm -hmm. I had graduation and literally I played graduation so much 
yeah. that literally there I couldn't it wouldn't read my CD player because I played it so many times. I mean, there's so many amazing tracks on there. The sonics of it, um, just to me that when I think of high school and high school memories, right. like two really big albums for me is the Carter Three and then graduation personally for me there's just like kind of nostalgia it like brings me back to that era and i would say why i choose graduation is we already knew kanye was big like college dropout late registration he's changing the sonics and the lyrics of hip-hop and he's changing it he's changing fashion he's changing culture he's doing so much at that time that graduation is kind of the end of that trilogy Mm -hmm. and it's also i would argue with like stronger that's also the time period where he did the glow in the dark tour, which a lot yep. of people say is one of Kanye's best tours he ever did. Yep. Um, that I think that's also kind of in some people's opinions, the Kanye before he quote unquote fell off to do everything else. That's not how I feel, but some people might say that that's kind of the end of that trilogy of his just geniusness of the soulful production, everything. I mean, also a lot of people forget he's the guy that like really brought that Daft Punk into the mainstream like yes he sampled them and that's not the song that he created but like he helped bring that whole you know vibe to popular music so if i had to say four albums those those would be my four albums i mean i think that's it's a fantastic list but i think for me like i think you're absolutely right is 2007 is when graduation dropped september 11th yeah september 11th 20 2007 and i agree with you like like if you look at if you look at college dropout it was very soulful like very old like it had a very jay-z sound to it late registration i think is when he came into his own and he had like he had like bars that sounded like okay these are like what these are what kanye's bars are going to be like right and then you got touch the sky on that one right touch the sky chicago right crazy and then you get to you get to graduation and i think why and it's funny because i asked you about pre-2008 because i think graduation changed the way the entire landscape of music to an extent also carter three but like graduation changed it from a perspective of you started going from core hip hop, right. To mm-hmm. a very melodic hip hop pop mix that sometimes we hear now. Right. Yep. <clears throat> because he had samples of Daft Punk and he was using synthesizers and T pain was on there using auto tune oh, yeah. and like, you know, he, Kanye was dabbling in a little bit of autotune and then right after that he dropped 808s and heartbreak and it was like dude like this is on another level right yeah. <laughs> so um I think that's an incredible list people people don't know that uh, a lot of people do don't know that paid in full was like the upper echelon still is the upper echelon for how hip-hop started being distributed to masses right like before it was yeah. like, this was like before the Tupac Biggie, like they were there, but they were just kind of getting started. Right. So like, I think before paid in full, it was very regional hip hop base, right? Like your West coast, you had your Dre's, you had the Snoops, you had the, you had the Tupac's, you had, you know, all that stuff. So like that sound was very unique. 
And then you go out to New York, you go to Queens, you go to Brooklyn, you got Biggie, you got all of these guys that are there too, Nas, all that stuff. But Paid in Full kind of bridged the two sounds together, right? Like you can. It also came out in 87 to give right. perspective, which like hip hop, like a lot of people don't forget about this is like hip hop really was considered only like a art form for African-Americans. Like, yes, you had the Beastie Boys. Right. But like they were the only group that really did anything in that space in the 80s. Now in the 90s, that changes with Eminem and other people, MC Search, I could keep going on. But like really in the 80s, like it was not considered popular music. Like, yes, you have the Run DMC when they did with Aerosmith, Rock This Way, great collaboration record. But like, really in in that time period in that era it was still viewed as like something that was very i think you did a great point is regional it was extremely right. regional like it would almost be impossible this was also in record days so like yep. you wouldn't have been it would be very difficult even in virginia we're only a few states away to get paid in full from a record store exactly exactly and i think once paid in full came out and then somehow, some way, I think Eric B with the production and Rockin, like they found a way to distribute it, right? Like paid in full touched yeah. every aspect of the country where hip hop music was prevalent, right? Like you're talking yeah. about like it came from New York and within five years, like you had people in Chicago talking about it. You had people in Newport News like Calypso and all them and like they were, you know, pusher. We're all talking about paid in full, how they got access to it. Right. Then you go to Atlanta and they had that. And then you go to the West coast and the Bay area and LA. And it's like, it was a first, I think true hip hop album that was distributed across the entire country that opened the eyes of like, Hey, one from a business aspect, you can take this shit to the next level. And then two, our sounds are different, but there's a chance for us to mix them together and make some music right because i think after that you started seeing more collabs right like Nas was out there doing collabs with people from the west coast and like snoop and dre were doing stuff with jay-z and like it it, it goes across the board um definitely um so that's really cool i mean dude like like i said alex i go to for all of my hip-hop like stuff and like he showed me a lot of the artists that i listen to today like john bellion is one of them um You showed me him in 2012. Uh, I was about to say, yeah, going on to, so, dude, I listened to, like, I was one of those, like, SoundCloud fiends back yes. in college. Yes. Like, literally, I'm not going to lie. Like, yes, I, I still got good grades, and I passed all my classes, and I got a degree, but, like, there was so many hours I spent in the library just SoundCloud. scouring SoundCloud and, like, finding new, like, I had... I literally, I kid you not, every day I had six different hip-hop websites that I checked for right. various content. Like, I actually found, to be dead honest, I found Logic way back in 2000, I think, 11. I found Logic, like, when literally his he had 5,000 Twitter followers. Right, right. Um, and now he's a Grammy-nominated, <laughs> like, multi-platinum artist. Yeah. Um, so I think that just, like, yeah, there, there was a time period because I had so much more. It's funny because in college you think you have no time, but in reality you have you the do. most time of your life right. as an adult. Um, and I was just able to really, really dive into the the hip-hop world. And that's also where, like, I listened to a lot 
of 80s and 90s hip-hop music Absolutely. that yes i knew like who the big people were like everybody knows wu-tang clan is and like probably public enemy but like have you listened to some of their deeper cuts more than just the stuff you might hear in an arena to like yeah. wow you up or things like that a lot of people haven't just because it's not the popular sound of now which is completely fine is i think another thing that people you know they try to you, you see rappers all the time that's one thing is that unfortunately rap is a little different than like rock and roll in some aspects that like mm -hmm. you know everybody knows that like their sound has derived from the beatles or the rolling right. stones or whoever may be but like right in rap it's always like i'm new i'm 20 i'm better than anyone that's ever come before me yeah. like i'm the best rapper alive and like every artist same feels thing that, and they always will say the sound before them is inferior but in right. reality like that's literally the it's happened so many times like if there wasn't a rakim there wouldn't be a jay-z if there no. wasn't a jay-z wouldn't be a kanye if there wasn't a kanye there wouldn't be a kid cuddy if there right. wasn't a kid cuddy there wouldn't be a travis scott yep. so like it just successions from there but when you just hear someone like for instance, even if they're joking, like Tory Lanez recently, who's joking about being <laughs> the best rapper, which I will say, the man definitely on his latest album had bars. He, there's no doubt. Oh, New that. Toronto Three. Bars. You listen to New Toronto Three. It 3? was it was a very rap centric album, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Some well, of his core audience of R and B people might not. Yeah, but. I mean, he he was known for producing. He was known for producing just like. The, the club bangers mixed with the you know r&b like soft music right i think yep. this album was dope um did you listen to john bellion's tangled webs drop the other day i i did yes yeah bars I bro 100 did i will say also i've seen john bellion live twice Oof. um i've seen a lot of live acts like i've seen anyone from kanye west to jay-z to eminem to chance Little Wayne, I've seen Little Wayne, goodness, six times live, um, etc. But I will say, John Bellion is easily live one of the best artists I have ever seen because he gives a performance, live instrumentation of everything. And I really felt that, like, he treats his audience like their friends or family. And yes, a lot of artists say this, but like, literally, it felt like it was just me and like and maybe a hundred people in the room. Yeah. And even though I was in Raleigh, North Carolina with like 8,000 people at a venue, like he made it extremely personal. And right. I also just think it's wild that he's literally, he's 28. He's my age, right. but he has been able to fun fact. He literally wrote the hook for monster the Grammy yep. award winning yep, yep. track with Eminem and Rihanna. A lot of people don't know that, but like he has wrote many hits, but he's not, the reason I like him too is he's humble. He's not super boastful about his achievements, even though he's won multiple Grammys before he even released his first album on a major label. Right. So right. he's the most talented artist that I can think of in this generation. Like he wrote Monster, he wrote uh, Trumpets for Jason Derulo and produced yep. Trumpets for Jason Derulo. The Maroon um, Five song that came out recently as well. Wait, I think Wait or something like that. He he wrote that too. So, yeah, it's just crazy. Um, what do you think of what do you think of Kanye's uh, uh, Sunday service stuff? So I I will definitely say I will preface this. I'm I'm a religious person, so mm -hmm. I definitely am a, a Christian. I believe in you know 
Jesus Christ and yeah. God and things like that. So just to preface that, but when it comes to science service, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about Kanye West. Ever since he said George Bush hates black people on live <laughs> television, I think that a lot of people have had yeah. views about Kanye. There's yeah. the Taylor Swift incident. We all know that. Um, and the Make I America Great Again incident now recently. You're very, you're very great. You're very yeah. right. Um, so I think that, you know, Kanye is, I think one thing you got to give Kanye is that I would I would argue that there is not a lot of people in the history of even entertainment that have had to go through so much of their life has been dissected by media than mm-hmm. Kanye West. Yeah. Like literally since he's stepped on the popular scene from producing with Jay-Z, he has literally been hugely the number one thing in tabloids other than the Kardashians, which ironically is married to one, but um, you know, I definitely think that his life is so for so many people because he is a celebrity that is very vocal about how they feel on anything. And I don't think you, you really see a lot of celebrities that kind of just, I want to say keep it mum, but they keep it kind of keep the status quo because they want to keep their million. They want to still get the endorsements. They still want all this stuff. Kanye doesn't care about that. Um, He he definitely cares about how his, his views are are seen. And I think that he can say whatever he wants, which he's shown. But when it comes to Sunday service, I think, you know, when he had the breakdown at the end of the life of Pablo tour Mm -hmm. um, in 2016, I mean, it it sounds like a very severe mental break that I just think he kind of came back to his roots because a lot of people forget that like literally Kanye West, like, one of his biggest first singles, yes, Through the Wire was the one that really kind of first started picking up stream, but the biggest one was Jesus Walks. Yep. And literally, that was something that back in 2004, you couldn't tell a lot of people that they would be playing a song about Jesus on right. mainstream radio yep. and rap at that. Right. So I think that he's always had that. He's always had this like faith in him, but mm-hmm. I mean, also before Sunday service, you, you remember even after his, his episode, I mean, he literally did a song with little pump that was oh, yeah. played live at the Pornhub Awards. Yeah. I mean, I'm a sick a fuck. Very, like yeah. That song. Yeah. A very dark place in his right. life. I mean, if you think of Jesus walks to playing at the Pornhub Awards and designing their entire attire for it is a very juxtaposition. So I think the Sunday service I think was really cool was he really went back to the roots of what gospel music is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he employed an entire choir of a hundred plus people, including live instrumentations. And he was just literally setting up in like the hills in um, good old California and Los Angeles. And he was inviting all these famous people and you would see it sometimes on Instagram and things like that. You're like, what is he, what is he doing? And then when he started traveling around, not just the United States, but, but the, the world, world yeah. with this Sunday service is that like, no one has ever done something like that before. And I think a lot of things that people, you know, whatever you want to say about Kanye is I think this new person who he is, I think he is giving back more right now than he ever has in his life before, whether that be in jobs or what his vision is. Like I just read, he came out two days ago with an article in GQ. He's on the cover for this, Mm -hmm. this month. And I read the entire article and like, 
with his Yeezy clothing brand, his master plan is to create a 100% sustainably sourced American made Yeezys Mm -hmm. from scratch. Like he has his own sheep. He's getting his own factories. He's giving people a living wage. I mean, he's doing things that like, even sneaker companies like Nike and stuff are not even want to touch. They don't want to touch. So yes, you can call the man crazy. And he has definitely said some things that I do not agree with. I will say that, but (laughs) I think he is really trying to put his best foot forward and help out a lot of people because he is extremely wealthy. And I think he fully understands that, but I think he's trying to give back where he can. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of stuff that he's done recently, I find a little problematic, but at the same time, you know, especially with like a lot of the stuff he was like, slavery was a choice and all that stuff. It's like, Oh no, I trust yeah. me. Yes. There's, there's a lot of things he said that I don't agree with. Yeah. But he's doing stuff in the background like this where it's like, all right, like if you just, but Kanye's always been this, you know, boisterous personality, right? He's going to say, yeah on his mind and he's going to speak what's on his mind but for him like i think over the last few years like faith again has become a big part of his life and he's starting to figure out his path and um being able to figure out what he wants to do and i think he's finding his purpose that's a good segue into what i kind of wanted to get into next with you is like you mentioned before we started talking about um kanye and sunday service that you are christian and you're a, a religious person um kind of want to talk about your faith right so growing up did you go to church like every sunday or was it lax like kind of talk about how faith is a part of your life and what kind of got you to that point yeah so i'll definitely start at the beginning and kind of work my way up to now so um definitely both my parents uh were church going people my mother um, grew up in a small town, Pennsylvania, grew up Roman Catholic. My father grew up as a Southern Baptist okay. in Portsmouth, Virginia. And when they met, uh, they actually met at Regent College. My father worked for 35 years at Christian Broadcasting Network. Okay. Um, and they met there. And so when I was born, yeah, I was born into going to church every Sunday, mostly grew up up until I was in my teenage years, Southern Baptist conservative, which can unfortunately get a bad rap, which I completely understand. There's some things that are very problematic about uh, Southern Baptist conservatives, especially their views on alcohol consumption. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, that's how I grew up until we started. um, What happened was the pastor, I think it was, I was 12. um, He actually, he actually unfortunately had an affair with the secretary. So we left that church. Uh, We were like a mass exodus of like half the people. So we, we started church hopping. Um, okay. trying to find a new new church. So we went to community churches. We went to Baptist churches, everything. So eventually we, we found a church called Deep Creek Baptist Church. And that's okay. really where, you know, I'd always grown up in youth group or, you know, yeah. children's group. I always went to s- summer um, camp and everything like that for church. But, you know, I kind of just, I don't want to say did the motions, but like right. I did what really my parents wanted me to do. Um, so really once I got a vehicle, I started really going to church, getting involved, like mm-hmm. kind of taking my faith at how I wanted. So I got involved with the church choir. I got really involved with the youth. I was involved with the Easter productions, all that stuff. And I really got a really great sense of community. 
right. out of it. And I really got to know a lot of people, hear their life stories, their experiences with their faith, things like that. And then, you know, what ended up happening was all throughout high school, I worked at Chick-fil-A again, a yeah. company, yeah. um, which really has a lot of good values on stewardship service and as well as food quality and things like that and that really helped as well shape who i am today but i was very involved up until i went to college so okay. i was really close with my youth group i mean i those are some of my best friends in high school like like you said before i have a lot of different friend groups so mm -hmm. i had friend groups in high school with everyone from like, you know, the party crowd that were the, the stoners and drinking yeah. on the weekends to also like the nerdy kids who got into like Yale and uh, yeah. you know, all those schools. And then also I had just my regular friends in the suburbs that like went to tech and JMU, but at the same time, right. I also had my church friends that were, you know, religious, but kind of still doing the same thing. They didn't party and things like that. We just found other ways to have fun in high school mm -hmm. than just like going to someone's house when their parents were out of town to drink. Um, whether that be like, we did things called prank wars and other things. Like right, that. right, right. Yeah. Kid. But going into, you know, my faith, I was, I was at one point, I actually was Jesus in an Easter production. No way. Um, when I was, yeah, when I was 17, um, I was Jesus. It was, it was a very big moment for me. I mean, I played it in front of my whole church that, Sunday people in the audience and it was a really really cool experience and so when I went off to college you know I went to Longwood I really I I drank occasionally before that but I really didn't you, you were know, never a heavy drinker you were never a heavy no drinker. you would be but the then, guy that had like three four or five drinks at the party and then you're good you're right. So, but then when I went to college, you know, it was really difficult for me to find a church because you're trying to make friends right. at college instantly. And great Longwood definitely has that environment. It's a small school, rural, where you can make friends and they, they make it very easy. But at the same time, there was a lot of faith-based community groups, but I couldn't, I couldn't find one I really wanted to get plugged into. Right. So I started off, I was in Young Life. Okay. In high school as well as college. So I was there in college um, and I enjoyed it. But the Young Life in College is a little different than high school. In Young Life in College, they're trying to get you to lead high school yes. versus the experience I liked in high school was being led by someone and that was, you know, slightly older than me. But Young Life is very different than a church youth group. Yep. It's very much anyone can come to it. They don't care if you party, whatever your, your sins, like it's all fine. And we're going to accept you for you versus church youth groups are a little, little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in college, I, I just really couldn't, I went to Baptist Collegiate Ministries a lot. Um, I was very involved there from the perspective of I went every week. I didn't really go to church every week. I'll be honest. And then, you know, just life gets busy in college. It's and tough, you're getting man. involved in all these organizations. Then when I joined Theta Chi, you know, I love Theta Chi. It's one of the best decisions I made in college, but we had chapter meetings. You have pledge education. You have community events. A sorority has an event you go to. Right. Like, there's just so many things minus I was also in student government association. Like I told you, I was on a radio show as well. So like there was a plus your schoolwork um, while you're in college. You're, so, you're just busy. It's tough to make time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be honest, on Sunday mornings, uh, because I'm in college, uh, Hungover. I really wanted to sleep in so, <laughs> yeah. or go yeah. to Bojangles for some Oof. food. So 
I um I Bojangles is like going it. to church, right? <laughs> it's like going to church <laughs> on a Sunday. Yeah. Um so I wasn't really I wasn't really that uh that religious in college from that yeah. perspective. I still had my faith, but I wasn't really going to going to church mm-hmm. and things like that. So even after college I, I moved back home briefly, then I moved out to an apartment. I really wasn't going to church back then either. Mm-hmm. Maybe like, you know, a few times every few months with my parents. But it right, wasn't, Easter, Christmas, whatever it was, yeah involved or anything like that and then um what really was a shift in my life you know i've always been religious but in march or sorry in april of 2017 um tragically both my parents passed away actually right um and so it it was very sudden and it was kind of a jarring experience because i would have never thought that would happen when i was 25 Mm -hmm. um and so really at that moment I mean, I really clung on to my faith. Yeah. Um, my parents were very religious. Right. And I, I also really felt like it's, it's hard to explain, but I just felt that, you know, God was really just caring for me and yeah. being there for me in this like extremely difficult time mm-hmm. for anyone, not just myself, all my family members. And I just saw so many things that felt like, I don't want to call them supernatural, but like there were so many moments and things that people did for me or events that happened in my favor that I'm like, there's no way that there is not some type of higher power Mm -hmm. that is helping guide me through these very difficult times and decisions other than and other than God. And yeah. I prayed lots during that time frame. I, I felt extremely close to God. And to this day, I mean, I watched church service online today. Um, yeah. And I definitely feel, you know, very close to close to my faith. And it's something that I am always more than happy to talk to people about. And it's something that I will never, I'll never abandon, or I never want to get back to that point that I was in college where I was, you know, unfortunately I was kind of a Christian that was lost. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I've known you for so long and I knew that faith was a big part of your life, but I also knew that, you know, it's tough, right? Like when you're in school or your life gets busy, you kind of tend to go away from it when, and I think this is just a normal thing. Like, a lot of people just get <clears throat> busy with life and they're like, Oh, like I'll go next time or I'll go next time. And it just becomes like a cyclical thing, but you still go the important days. But I've even seen in my life and, and a lot of people around me that like when bad things happen, we always resort, you know, going back to, to religion to kind of keep us comforted. Right. And I feel like for you, I remember when everything happened with your parents, you, you, we had a conversation, I think it was a few months later and you were just like, I tried to call you or something like that, but it was Sunday and you were like, Hey, I'm in the middle of like watching church right now. Like I'm at, like I'm in yeah. church and I'm like watching it online. So like, can you give me a little bit of time? I'll hit you back later. And um, we talked about it for a little bit and you were saying how exactly what you described, right? Like you felt like, yes, I had this bad thing happen in my life. But look at everything around me that I probably wasn't thinking about that I should be grateful for. And it was kind of like, to me, like I've had moments like that and not, you know, certain aspects when things don't go well, where it's like, I feel like there's a higher power that's like, hey, like, yes, there's this bad part of your life, but look at all the good thing that's coming from it. 
right? Like look at all the relationships you're maybe building back up or look at all of the things that look at all the love that you have and that you're receiving. People care about you. Just like embrace it and be grateful for that. Right. Is that kind of how you look at it too? Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that really resonated with me, which was kind of crazy. So I've been listening to this, uh, you know, Christian hip hop artist, this guy mm-hmm. named Lecrae for yeah. years. I grew up with him in youth group, but he came out with this album called all things work together. Mm. And it literally, that album, it came out in 2017 was very, I, I mean, I've listened to that album easily, you know, 60, 70 plus times, if not more, but specifically there's a lyric in there in one of his songs, which really resonated with me is that, you know, during that time frame, you know, I could have been very, very pessimistic. Yeah. I could have been very angry. I could have been mad. I could have been, I could have drowned my sorrows in alcohol or mm-hmm. drugs or did a lot of things. But one thing that resonated with me, one of his lyrics, he says, don't get better, bitter, get better. And mm. why that really resonated with me was like, I could be bitter about all the bad things that have happened in my life, but you know what? I'm going to get better from this and I'm going to evolve and I'm going to adapt and I'm going to live the life that I want to live regardless of the past. Right. And I think that can resonate with anyone is regardless of what has happened before you yeah. like that you can build the future that you want. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to dwell on what happened. Like, yeah, even if it was a really horrible situation, like you can overcome that and don't let that make you bitter about someone. Don't like make that bitter about a situation or a job or whatever it may be. Try to get better from it. And I think right. that's something that again, like has really resonated with me um is that is that specific song no it's that's a great way to look at it is i think you're right like you could have gone down a bad path but i think you found solace in the fact that your faith is what was kind of keeping things moving along for you right i felt like for like just knowing you and our friendship it's like anytime during that phase and still even now today if you feel like there's something that isn't going your way or you kind of search you kind of look to God to kind of be like, Hey, like there's gotta be something that you can show me or, you know, walk me through just like spiritually on how I want yeah. to navigate this stuff. Right. So I think it's, it's incredible, man. Like how you handled that situation. Um, I, I can't imagine losing my parents at that young of an age, but you were always like, even keel. Like I know you struggled, but like, I think a faith was a big part of how you handled that. Cause it, like you said, it was sudden and, you were able to maintain your, you know, your perspective very well throughout it. And then I think it's put you in a better place. Now, like I looked up, I look up to you a lot in that sense is that Thank you, know, you. you, you were able to, I mean, really just handle something that was bad in a very positive way. Right. And be able to turn yeah. something that like, it ha- like you said, before we got on here, like it happened but there's been so much in my, like you said, there's been so much in your life that's come out because of it that you probably didn't notice was there or didn't even think about beforehand that your, you know, your, your perspective has changed. Right. Definitely. And I, I think another, you know, another thing that you kind of touched on a little bit was like through events that happen and you look for faith and other things to help strengthen you when something, something bad or negative happens mm-hmm. in your life, you always maybe might one of the outcomes of positive, 
might be, you know, kind of relationships that yep. maybe were strained before you might maybe cling more onto that or help build those back up. And I think, right. you know, one, another of my favorite song lyrics, again, hip hop was in 2016, Chance the Rapper came out with Good Old Coloring Book, his yep. super big claim to fame on the yep. mainstream. And specifically, um, you know, in that one of the songs, he literally says, it seems like blessings keep falling in my lap. Yeah. And I remember I listened to that song tons of times because specifically, like after this event happened, I just kept getting like, you could say, blessings from the perspective of relationships with people. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have so many to my, in my opinion, I have such stronger relationships with not just family members, but also mm -hmm. friends, yeah. people in the community, acquaintances, neighbors, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. because of what happened that bef from before, like I would say I spoke to my aunt and uncle who live in Los Angeles, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe one time a year, um, mm -hmm. every single year um and since after this i mean i talk now to my aunt at least you know once every four weeks and yeah. at that i had only seen her one once in my entire life before this happened i've now yeah. seen her you know three times since this happened yeah. so i think there's a lot of things that again are i could easily focus on the negatives like oh you know i've lost my parents I've right lost my childhood home all these things I, I could easily focus on that but i again this is just the person i am i try to focus on the positives of what happened mm -hmm. and then what i can control and those yeah. are all things that i can control is i can try to help build up these relationships with people and different things so that you know it's it's just brings me so much more happiness yeah. from from relationships than like anything anything material like yeah. I, I mean i would i would choose you know hanging out with my my cousins over any amount of money or restaurant experience <laughs> yeah. or whatever it may, may right. be is just like i think that people unfortunately don't put enough value on relationships because literally you you can't there's no monetary number to how how much a relationship means to you absolutely no I, and that's something i think we're starting to realize a little bit more with this quarantine right is the fact yep. that like i told you before we jumped on here that a lot of this was me catching up with people and wanting to share my friends stories right mm -hmm. if i've known them for 10 12 years or if i've known them for six months it's like everyone has a story, but it's, it's the relationships that kind of keep life going for you. Right. Cause at, at some point, everyone's going to come to a relation a realization or a moment where they lose something that's very close to them, but you have other relationships that you can take solace in. Like you have, you know, with family and friends and acquaintances or whoever it is to make sure that, you know, you're doing your part to be engaged. Right. So I, I think, you know, I always knew faith was a big part of your life in college. Like I had an idea because you talked about Chick-fil-A and, and kind of how you were drawn to working there f for a lot of different reasons besides, you know, the bomb chicken that they make. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which I've made thousands of Chick-fil-A chicken right. sandwiches in my day. You're right. They're, right. They're, if people are wondering, they are literally made by hand with love every single Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Yeah. And uh, Alex, so Alex is, is, still and i think this is gonna happen at some point in his life 
when he retires, he's going to own a Chick-fil-A franchise. <laughs> That's going to, going to happen for sure. Um, there you go. Yeah. So jumping into kind of the last segment, um, I know we talked about kind of a couple of things or three things that are kind of important to you. Um, yep. that you see kind of as you move forward from where you are right now in your life to the future. So um, kind of just jump into those and we can kind of have some dialogue as we go through each one. Yeah. So I would definitely say, you know, one of the big things we've already alluded to and we've talked about it at length, mm-hmm. but I would say the first thing of the three things is definitely faith. Mm-hmm. And I think faith for me is more about, it's about the, relationship that I have with, Mm -hmm. you know, I believe in Jesus Christ. So it's the relationship with him. It might not be as much that I physically go to church every Sunday, but if you believe in the Bible, you believe in things like that is it's not about the building. It's not about even, you know, what, what denomination you are, whether you're Roman Catholic or you're Methodist, it doesn't matter about that. It matters about if you believe at the core that this, you know, man came in, died on the cross for your sins, resurrected, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, I could go right. into lots of things, but yeah. I think for me, it's faith. And it's not just faith in this perspective. Like I'm not some Christian that I think, unfortunately, one thing that people get a bad rap and because it's happened many times is there's a lot of Christians that think that, you know, Christianity is the only religion that you can ever have. Like in my mind, like I grew up with friends that were Muslim. I grew up with yeah. friends that were Hindu, that were Buddhist, yeah. that might be agnostic or atheist, that might not even believe in religion. So I'm like, I think one thing is that Christians that, you know, get a bad rap is that they are not open to other viewpoints and mm-hmm. other faith, you know, cause there's been lots of cultures that, we're around the same time that all believe I think at the core is in a higher power, whether that be multiple deities or one deity is that like they believe in something versus, you know, nothing, which again, if you want to believe in nothing, that's completely fine for you. Um, but I I believe in a higher power and I think it's just so also interesting to learn about other religions. Like I love learning things about, you know, Hinduism or Buddhism and a lot of the things that, you know, their systems of, of culture and their texts and things like that are right. so rich with knowledge that like you see like, I mean, yoga, for instance, like yeah. if you didn't yeah. have some of these Eastern religions, we wouldn't even have yoga yeah. like or, or just simple things like that for meditation and relaxation and really getting one with your spirit and things like that. I think those are things that transcend the religion mm-hmm. that can be used in so many different things. So I definitely would say faith for me is something that will always, I think be a big cornerstone yeah. and it's something that I'm definitely, you know, never afraid to, to talk about with people, but at the same time, I'm not going to try and like aggressively convert you. If yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Not what you want. Like I just want to be there as a friend. And I think a lot of things you can see, you know, from, from, Jesus, one thing I think that's so interesting, at least about the man he was, is that, you know, a lot of people get this bad rap about Jesus that like, you know, Mm -hmm. they, that some of these, you know, preachers put him up to this like pantheon of like the perfect being, but like Jesus literally hung out with the quote unquote at the time scum of the earth. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with lepers. He hung out with people that literally were like the ones that were cast out from society. And I think that's one thing that some 
you know, churches and things that they don't do as much as like the outreach. Like I love when churches are partnering with a homeless shelter Mm -hmm. or a food bank or stuff like that's literally, if you look at the person who Jesus was in his teaching, it's about giving back to society. And I just, I really, I really love that about the faith and the person who he was. Yeah. No, I think that's in, it's uh you're absolutely right right because like i grew up similarly too like i was exposed to all different religions and what's interesting is that like at the core of every religion it's all the same right you you're a good person you take care of the people around you and you help and give back to the people that don't have the same things that you do in any way shape or form possible it's just about being a good person and being able to understand that if you're in a position where you can help out then you should be you know, doing that as a way of practicing your life or teachings or religions. Right. So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you with that. So faith obviously is a big one. What's next. So next up would definitely be you've alluded to already, but it's relationships with family and friends. And the reason why I say relationships, I've always big been big on big relationships as well as Barney said, I'm kind of the glue. Like I will say one thing, is that I get this a lot from my father is, you know, when I went to Christian Broadcasting Network place he worked at after he passed away is literally there were people all the way from Gordon Robinson, who's the current CEO and son of Pat Robertson, the guy who founded it down yeah. to the janitorial staff. They yeah. all knew my father because he was big on creating, and maintaining relationships from people regardless of, social status regardless of socioeconomic whatever right. it be is like he just want to be a friend yeah he also when you talk about i have a love for music a big thing that my dad actually loved was my dad was a massive jazz enthusiast so he mm. loved jazz and i mean yeah. specifically he made and this is why i think it's kind of it's really interesting is that like i made in high school i would always make people mixtapes so i would make mixtapes and people literally at one point were paying me to make mixtapes because there was so much demand. Like one time I made, I mean, I made a hundred dollars on a Friday one time just by making mixtapes to people. Oh, wow. Sidebar is my dad actually made mix CDs for people. And there was people that came to one of his remembrance things I had at Christian Broadcasting Network that right. literally had, they had cassette tapes. Wow. That my dad had given them in the early nineties of jazz mixes that they're mm-hmm. like, this is literally something to this day that I still listen to. And it's just like kind of crazy when you think of like, really like, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned from, you know, regardless of whatever it may be after my parents pass away is what right. is your legacy that you're going to leave? Like every right. day, you're building that legacy by every interaction you have with someone, every action you create. It's something that I don't think a lot of people think of. Like if you died today mm-hmm. and you, again, you weren't planning, you just died today. What would people say about the life that you've lived so far? And it's right. something when you're 28, 25, you're in your twenties, you're like, man, I'm young. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to me is like, just take a step back for a second. Be like, yeah. man, especially in this COVID situation we're in right exactly. now, it's like, is I think it's very relevant. Is like, are you living the life that you want to live? Mm-hmm. That people, when they talk about you after you die, will they speak positively about your legacy, or are they going to speak negatively about your legacy? 
And I yeah. think it's something that, again, it's, it's a mindful choice every day of how you want to live with that. Um, right. I know that's a really large sidebar, but going back to the relationship side, um, with my family, I mean, I'm closer with all my aunts, uncles, cousins than I've ever been before. I visit them, the ones that aren't right. local, uh, at least once a year now. I feel very connected. I mean, we text, we FaceTime, things like that. Friends, I mean, I literally try to keep up with as many friends as I can. Right. And I, I know you've talked about on this that definitely your circle gets closer yeah. the older you get. And I definitely, I definitely see that, especially like, I'm in a different place than like, you know, some of the previous people you have, you've had on the podcast just about age is that right. most of my core group of friends are married. Yeah. Some are yeah. even in the process of having children and they've bought their house. They've got right. all these things. So I think that like you really have to put in the effort, especially when someone's like trying to do a house project on the weekend. They also have a baby on the way. Like, when right. are you going to, are you going to really, be like, okay, well, like I can only meet Thursday night at like seven mm-hmm. thirty. Do you want to maybe wait to eat dinner till then? It's like small choices like that to like, do you want to keep building that relationship? Yeah. Or to you, is it is it not worth to keep building? For me, again, I'm really big on it. Is that like I want to really keep as many core people as I can. And I think one thing you see is that you have a core group, maybe that's like 20, 25 people. And then you have a lot of acquaintances. Exactly. I think that's completely normal. And you can still hang out with these acquaintances. You can still like, you know, go get beers with them or go to a concert, things like that. But like Absolutely. people you really open up to and you really talk about those really deep conversations about what do you think your future is going to be? Yeah. Do you think you're going to marry this person? Like, all these big talks, that's, that's, I feel like more like what you have in that core group. Like I'm not just going to randomly talk to someone that yeah. I met twice in college about what I want to do for my future. Right. Um, right. But those are the conversations I'd have with like someone like you or George or right. Brian or Taylor, et cetera. Right. No, that's absolutely true. I agree with that sentiment, right? It's like a lot of this for me starting this is I have my, core group that I talk to about a lot of this stuff <clears throat> but I'd also like to know about my quote-unquote like you said acquaintances where it's like what's going on right like how are you what's going on with your life where are you at like let me just stay plugged in right just be involved yep. in their life enough to know that this is where they are and this is where they're trying to get to or this is the person that they're with and this is where they see it going stuff like that I'm interested in and I think a lot of that we, we share similarities in a lot of that so that's awesome and then the final thing, I know you had one more. Yep. So one more, this is the final thing is it's on travel. So during COVID, as we all know, we can't travel right now, which is for the safety. And I completely understand that, but I was not actually always big on travel. So Mm -hmm. um, back when I went to Longwood and stuff, I was really big on like being local. Like I stayed in Virginia beach area I stayed at Longwood, didn't really visit that many friends at Virginia Tech, JMU, UVA, et cetera. But right. after college, I was um, dating uh, a girl in the same sorority that uh, Barney was dating a girl. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. And um, Shout out to 80 Pies if they're listening. <laughs> there you go. Um, and basically, you know, things didn't end up working out. And right. I became newly single in May of 2015 and kind of, at that point, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to really drastically change my right. life and do a lot of the things that I wanted to do. One of those things was traveling. So I had this bout 
for literally about six months where <laughs> I went to Austin, Texas. Yeah. I went to Cleveland, Ohio. I went to um, as well as, oh goodness, uh, New York City. Yep. All within like a very small time frame. Um, and it was some, some of the most fun I've ever had. Like I'd never been to New York City in my life. That was yeah. mind blowing. Austin, Texas, we had a fraternity brother that was from Austin. No one had ever visited him before right. that. And I'd known this guy for four years. Yeah. And um, shout out to Kyle Bowden. Yep. But um, I went and visited him and I literally fell in love. I mean, there was one point I almost moved to Austin. <laughs> I remember that. One of the coolest. Dude, it was one of the coolest places. It's still to my is one of the coolest cities in the United I States that. I've ever been to. So yeah. then the traveling just kept getting more and more. So eventually, you know, I, um, I went to go visit you in Chicago yeah. with yep. Taylor and shout out to all your friends in Chicago, especially <laughs> when we went to Cheezles. Cheezies. 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 Man, hey, Novi Novak. So much fun. Novi, Novi Novak. <laughs> Man, that was a good, good time. So any of those people that were there, shout out to them. Uh, yeah. but it, was a, it was a really great time. I'd never been to Chicago. I was just like, I'd been to Indianapolis and I knew what the quote unquote Midwest was, but like Chicago. It's not really the Midwest, bro. Bad. Yeah, it is. It is not in any way, and I love that. That's why I yeah. love love that. And uh, it was actually it was a really good experience. I've been there as well as I really love Los Angeles. I also yeah. understand that that city is like extremely expensive to live in. But like my aunt has lived out there now for thirty, yeah, thirty years now, and she right. has been very successful in the entertainment industry. So she's created a very good life for herself. Um, but just going out to LA is like it's crazy that it's even part of the united states right it feels like it's its own own place and when it goes back to the relationships is actually one of our fraternity brothers this guy named gary petrick um lives out in san diego and oh, so okay. again this was a relationship that i created in 2010 mm-hmm. would have never thought that fast forward to 2018 right and i'm going out to los angeles to visit my aunt and uncle that I can hit up this guy, Gary, and be like, hey man, could I come down to San Diego and you show me around? And he yeah. was such a great tour guy. But that, that's about those relationships. If you Absolutely. create them on the right foot, you never know where that might lead. And right. I think that goes on to my final kind of travel story is this past Thanksgiving, I actually got the opportunity to visit definitely one of my best friends, Ryan Pereira, mm-hmm. um, down in Santiago, Chile. Yeah, so he is currently overseas, and it was uh, kind of crazy. I've been in Mexico City before, but to go to a South American country, um, I would have never thought. No one there speaks English, um, right. so it was definitely, I think, a really good experience for me is to see. You know, when I'm to Mexico, there's a lot of people spoke English there, right? Um, but in that far down in Chile, you know, it's just kind of crazy to to see the culture, the food. Um, people eating differently in the sense of like time, like it's very normal to eat very late at night versus like the American quote unquote dinner is like six to seven. Right. Um, so I think that was interesting as well as I did one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life was I got to actually go to natural hot springs at the foot of a volcano. That's insane, um, bro. Yeah. I remember you talking about your trip. Chile at a national park. It was, it was, I've, if you look at, if you think of a postcard of like just beautiful mountain ranges with green grass as well as snow capped and you just imagine that while you're sitting in a hot spring right that's what 
I saw and I was just like, this is wild that there's places like, like this in the world. Existing. Yeah. Cause I just think of like, I grew up in Virginia. I've right. been here most of my life is I just think of Virginia, which is a great state and has lots to offer from beaches to mountains to the city. But it really opened up my eyes to like, there's such a wider world out there. And also the experiences that I've got from traveling is I get to see how different people, whether it be in the United States and different parts, around the world live their lives and it's just been so enriching to me and it's really helped me I wouldn't say change my views on anything but it's definitely helped me expand right my views on lots of different ways of life and it's something that I want to continue to keep doing whether that we go to Europe or I really want to go to Southeast Asia things like that to just really dive into those cultures as well as to see beautiful nature i mean we live on a beautiful planet and i think that a lot of people especially you know if you've grown up in the same area you've always yeah. been like just travel just like go out there whether that be take a train up to vermont or go down to miami or go somewhere that you would have never been before and i think you might be blown away yeah. by the experience that you have there because i think a lot of people are scared to leave the comfort or normalcy or what they think is normal right and i think when you actually do that you enrich your life so much that is insurmountable in value of what you can even say for that. So I would definitely say travel is my, my last one. Yeah, no, I think I, I remember when that breakup happened and you, you were just kind of like, I'm going to take this time as an opportunity to like explore, right? Really figure out yeah. what I like, like I like and what I might like and, and see what's out there. Um, no, man, I think those are three great things. And I know you, you kind of use that every day to kind of move forward with your life. Um, I appreciate you jumping on here, Alex. This was an awesome, awesome conversation in case anyone wants to follow you to kind of see where you're traveling or the foods you're eating. Cause you're a big foodie and what you're posting. <laughs> we didn't even get to that part. Yeah. We didn't even get to the food, but <laughs> Alex, Alex likes, Alex is big on kind of food and, and, and being a foodie. So if you, he always yeah. posts a bunch of stuff. So if they can, if you can tell them your Instagram handle so they can follow you or reach out to you or if they want Definitely. to talk about faith or whatever it may be, right? What if you just yeah. let everyone know? Yeah. So definitely first off, thank you very much for letting me be a part of, of this experience. For anyone to reach out to me, I would was more than happy to be a part of this as well as some of your other, um, uh, you know, endeavors such as, um, beauty in the struggle and other things yep. like that. I'm always happy to support my friend and whatever, whatever is needed. So if they want to follow me or reach out in any way, which I am more than happy to receive any type of DM, anything I'm very open and would love for you to hit me up is Alex, A-L-E-X, mm -hmm. Julian, J-U-L-I-A-N, 91. Yep. is my Instagram and it is uh, open. So it's not private. And yes, I post a lot about the food that I, and specifically my last post, just to, just to preference this is literally, <laughs> I, ordered, <laughs> I ordered Gino's through this uh, website called gold belly. And I got a Gino's deep dish pepperoni sausage and it was amazing. It was good. Very, very, I do understand Lou's is extremely tasty. I've had both, but <laughs> I was able to source Gino's and that was my shy town experience and going into the music side too. So, Another thing we didn't really hit on, but like, um, I yeah. actually am pretty active on Spotify. Yeah. Um, and I try to release a new playlist that's made by myself um, every single week. I currently have 120 handcrafted playlists on Spotify. 
Um, so if you want to follow that, literally just go to my Instagram and at the bottom, uh, there's my Spotify link and you can go in right there and please, uh, check out anything from hip hop to gospel music to R&B. Yeah. Got it all. Alex's playlists are a weekly, you know, they kickstart my Thursdays, which is good because it segues right into new music Friday on Spotify. Right. So, um, Alex, again, thank you for jumping on here i really appreciate you and uh stay safe tell tell lauren i said hello and uh we'll, we'll catch up soon thanks barney greatly appreciate it man and to all your listeners thank you very much for tuning in and uh, this is a great podcast can't wait to see where it goes yeah thank you all right brother i'll talk to you soon all right man talk to you later